You're listening to Drawn to the Flame. I'm your host, Frank, and does it sound a bit funny? Probably. Why? I'm sitting in my hall, of all places, with every single door of my flat closed, because just as I sat down to record, drilling began outside my flat, and I know of no possible place I can go to that wouldn't have the sound of drilling, and I imagine if you turn this up, you're going to hear little in the background, because there's drilling. So yeah, I I didn't know really, I want to get an episode out, I don't want to wait until this evening. Oh yeah, and do you know why I can't wait until this evening? My laptop charger broke this morning. It's one of those cables that's a little bit frayed, you know when the plastic casing on a cable goes, and it's now looking like it might burst into flame at any moment. The amazing repair I did on it, which was using some of my climbing tape to tape it up, has all gone kind of brown, like it's slowly burnt, which makes me think I shouldn't use it. Anyway, so I'm on 41% battery. I'm going to try and do a first look episode and see if my ancient laptop can survive. And then I need to edit it, and then I need to upload it, all on 41% battery. So if I sound a little bit um, swiftly spoken, that'll be why. And if I also sound a bit echoey, I'm sitting on the floor in my hall. So... Yeah, it's uh, an interesting ad hoc situation that I find myself in, and let's get down to it, because I have here Black Stars Rise, the fifth Mythos pack in the Path to Carcosa, and I've got to tell you, I am so excited about this pack. I've really avoided lots of spoilers this time around, I've been really, really in the zone in terms of avoiding things and sealing myself off. I, when I check Facebook on my phone, I've been covering the screen so I can just check if there are any notifications for me and not actually accidentally see any pictures. I've avoided all the websites. Yeah, we just got to get involved and see what the pack looks like and see what we've got. Only prediction I have is there's, we do know that there are spells for other factions apart from Mystic in this pack, but I'm predicting that there might not be Survivor and Guardian spells. That's where I'm at at the moment. I think that that's unlikely. And will we see... The Guardian patron, Super Frank. Is this the time, or is that being saved for Dim Carcosa? I'm, I'm hopeful, but we'll see. Oh, final prediction as well. I think Mystic or Rogue are going to get three cards. One of those two, I think, because I think neither of those two have got three cards in the back so far. So yeah, okay. Hold on to your butts. First card, here we go. Wow, okay, this is a one-cost event for Guardian with intellect and combat icons. It's called On the Hunt. It's a tactic traded card. Fast. Play when you would draw an encounter card during the Mythos phase. Okay. Instead, search the top nine cards of the encounter deck for an enemy, spawn it engaged with you instead of its normal spawn location, and shuffle the encounter deck. If you cannot, draw the top card of the encounter deck. Wow. Oh my word, and the art is a guy with a rifle, but he's looking at what looked like terrifying tracks. What a fantastic first card for the pack. Intellect and combat icons suggest to me that this is an offensive card, and man, this is a crazy offensive card. It's sort of almost a almost a weird encounter deck cancellation, but it's also if you're set up as that guardian and what you're looking to do is kill, you can play this for one and start killing. What are the advantages of doing that? I suppose if you need to get enemies out of the deck because you know there are some nasty ones, 
Or if you're looking for VP, that's worth considering as well. If you want to go and fetch the agent of the king, for instance, that's pretty good. Any enemies that have odd spawn instructions as well. So for instance, spawning an acolyte or even a seeker of Carcosa or something like that and spawning them with you so that you can take them on immediately. That is pretty good as well. I imagine an aloof enemy would still be aloof. It doesn't say cancel that aloof, it just says cancel that way, ignore their spawn location. Other than that, I just think this is strong. Peter and I have been talking about how what, what guardians do in the downtime when they're not fighting. And we've sort of said, well, you know, they could do a bit of healing. You could maybe be that sort of support guardian, or you might have some way of investigating like Roland, or you're maybe just making sure you're kitted up as best you can be. But if you're really kitted up, maybe you don't want a nasty ancient evils or another encounter card you can't handle. Maybe you do just want an enemy for your next encounter draw. I suppose this is also a little bit like let me handle this, isn't it? You could grab two enemies off people if that's all you wanted to do in your turn. Generally just taking all the heat. Okay, cool. What a great fun first card. The next card looks amazing. Oh my word. Okay, wow. This is stick to the plan. The art is like some sort of chest with grenades and it's a nothing cost asset. It doesn't even have a cost. It's blank. It's a null but it takes three XP and this is a talent. So I am actually thinking of those permanent talents that each faction gets. It is permanent, which explains the null cost, but it's also exceptional. Our first non-rogue exceptional card. So this is actually six XP for Guardian. Wow, so this is really gated to, well, it's not actually gate. Lola could still take this. <laughs> She'd need six XP, but otherwise it's your Guardian primary class investigators, Mark, Zoe, and Roland. Reaction. Before you draw your opening hand, search your deck for up to three different tactic and or supply events and attach them to stick to the plan. Shuffle your deck. Okay, so tactics could be on the hunt, which I've just seen. If you're playing Mark and you can take all sorts of different tactics, a sneak attack, a shortcut, an elusive, a cunning distraction, you can go through your deck. And supply cards, I'm guessing emergency cash is supply? Are there other supply cards? Is contraband supply? Mm, I'm not sure. And I'm not even going to pause and look because battery is an issue. So yeah, supply I would think is only emergency cash, but maybe I'm missing a really obviously obvious one. Maybe emergency aid is a supply card? I don't know. Anyway, uh, Attach them to stick to the plan, shuffle your deck. Cards attached to stick to the plan may be played as if they were in your hand. As an additional cost to play an attached card, exhaust stick to the plan. Wow. Actually, wow. So as a guardian, you can invest 6 XP, and you essentially get an extra 3 cards out of your deck at the start of the scenario. Not an extra 3. You get 3 cards out of your deck at the start of the scenario, they count as in your hand, but they're not taking up your hand, so you're not storing them up. Ooh, is Ever Vigilant Supply? I don't know. Anyway, you have these events as a, like, a mini Ceph sideboard ready to use. The limitation is that once you play one of them, you can't play all three in the same turn because you're exhausting this card. 
What an incredible, interesting card. You could be tempted to run all sorts of interesting one-off events if you're running Stick to the Plan, because you know that you can then pull them out of your deck at the start of future scenarios, once you've got the 6 XP, and that would definitely mean that you can land what you need to land, pull off whatever crazy play it is. If Emergency Cash Level 3 is supply-traded, you can guarantee having this to top up Acidic Icor or to top up First Aid. Incredible card. So powerful. Really exciting card. Okay. And that's it for Guardian. Moving on. First Seeker card is an event called Guidance. It has an interesting man smoking a pipe. He's got too smart a beard to be Norman Withers. It's a zero-cost event and it has a wild icon. That's all. It's insight-traded. Choose another investigator at your location who has yet to take his or her turn this round. That investigator may take an additional action during his or her turn this round. Huh. Okay. The Seeker player has to go first. The Seeker player doesn't have something to do with their third action. So they play this card and give their action to someone else. That's essentially what you're doing here. We've been talking a bit about how you evaluate cards and saying, obviously you want the effect on a card to be good, but also you need to know how often the circumstances where you want that effect to trigger come up. How often as the seeker do I feel like I don't need to do anything with my actions, but I'd love to give them to someone else. There are definitely some times Obviously, times without clues, where I'm being supportive in some way. All the way back in the corset days, I remember Daisy Walker finding the third scenario, the Devourer Below, really hard going because intellect isn't used for investigating early on. And if she's not investigating, she's drawing people cards with cryptic research and old book of law, and otherwise, you know, maybe using medical texts back in those days to to heal up buddies but otherwise that's sort of it and this is a long way away I think this is a really interesting one because seekers are normally really driving forward a scenario they're the ones that you want to spend their time getting clues certainly when I play seeker I felt challenged with my actions because I want to keep building a board and I want to keep advancing a advancing whatever we're doing as the investigators and that that in itself can be providing a lot of pressure that's where daisy is so strong that her tome action is additional and that's where rex is so strong that he can double up on the clues he's getting so he can essentially take two actions per investigate if things go well so to then give away an action seems very odd if you're in a big fight and the seeker is not going to fight maybe this is a really useful card to have the Guardian is wishing they just had an extra action. There definitely are times. I mean, the other thing that's fascinating about this card is the structure of the turn is such in this game that we're used to dealing with having three actions. That's why Leo DeLuca is such a powerful card, because Leo says everyone else is playing with three actions, but you're playing with four. You're getting a third extra, which is sort of incredible, really, isn't it? And it, it takes the framework of the game and says, no, it doesn't apply to you. One of the things that's worked within that framework is we've always thought, you go first, do your three actions, I'll go second, do my three actions. To get a card like Guidance that says, I'll go first, do two actions, 
and this turn you take four, that potentially could lead to all sorts of interesting things. So yeah, I definitely am sort of picturing a vague scenario where there's a fight, the Seeker is really not geared up for the fight, and they just want to give their actions to someone else. It does require them to go first, though, so if they have an enemy on them or whatever it is, not really going to take an attack of opportunity to play this card to give someone else an action to take it off you. So I, I can't wait to find out what other people have thought of with this card. And the fourth card is Arcane Insight. The art for this, Antonio Jose, uh, Jose Manzanedo, this art is just amazing. It's even better in the flesh, in fact. It's someone's head being kind of split in two. I, I mean, I say someone, something's head. There's like light exploding from out of it. Oh, I love it. It's a spell. It takes up the arcane slot. It costs three and it takes four XP to put in your deck. So this is high level seeker stuff going on. It has willpower and intellect icons. So it's uh, to do with the mind rather than the body. And it uses three charges. It has a free trigger. While an investigator is taking his or her turn, spend one charge. Your location gets minus two shroud until the end of this turn, limit once per turn. So this is essentially a flashlight that has been possessed and gone mad. Flashlight, you spend a charge, you spend a supply, and it reduces the shroud by two for one investigate action. On this, you spend a charge and it reduces the shroud by two for three investigate actions, for four, if you've given the person guidance, it could even be you. It doesn't say another investigator. You could just be dropping the shroud for three actions for yourself. If you're dropping a shroud to zero, it's very hard to fail testing against it. Or if you're dropping a nasty high shroud of five, something like that, to three, and you're the seeker, so you're suddenly going from evens to two up, that's pretty nice. But it doesn't even have to be you. One of the things I love about this card is... For instance, in Essex County Express, where there's a location with a lot of clues but a low shroud, you want every investigator to be able to get clues. You don't want to be in that situation where you're like, all right, Seeker, can you get nine clues this turn? You want everyone to be able to pull their weight. And at that point, even a shroud of one or two can be very hard for some investigators. Listen to my last live play as Seth. Listen to how I handle facing shroud two locations because I don't just take, you know, naked... Is naked the right word? I don't just take sort of bald intellect tests to get those clues. I'm using things to get past them. So yeah, so this as an option to allow someone to scoop up clues that they wouldn't be able to scoop up, I think is really potent. The other thing to remember, of course, is that Akachi can take this. And in Akachi's hands, this is three charges. She can play Uncaged the Soul to play it, so she doesn't pay anything for that. And potentially at that point, you're we're developing a sort of support mystic who may maybe Akachi isn't using this on herself she only has an intellect of two unless she's in one of those low shroud locations anyway but maybe she's using it on someone else to support them and it's it's a card that she can play around with a little bit and she can use the charges for other things potentially it's not the cheapest card for lots of charges and obviously there's the xp cost but maybe there is an Akachi build out there that wants to to make use of this I'd be really interested to see it, basically. I like it. I think it's strong. The challenge will be that the people who can take this will have so many other things that they'll want to take as well. 
So the other 4XP seeker card that doesn't require any other hoops to be jumped through is Cryptic Research. And I think I would always want three cards rather than reducing Shroud. But who knows? Maybe we'll come to a scenario where it's not just helpful for everyone to get clues, but everyone will need to get clues. And at that point, that would be very useful. The other thing to note is that this card comes out in Carcosa, and we've seen cards that interact with Shroud values, whether that's Roach Swarms or Ooze and Filth, and particularly Corrosion. This doesn't really help you with Corrosion, but if someone's about to fight a Roach Swarm and the Shroud of their location is four, it's not very nice. Dropping that down to two is essentially giving someone plus two for all of their combat tests, which is good, I would say. Similarly, if Ooze and Filth has just arrived and Shrouds are really starting to creep up, in a full player you might get two Ooze and Filths. That's nasty. This can do some work to counteracting that. So yeah, uh, nice card. These cards so far have been strong, I would say. On the hunt, it's amazing. And stick to the plan is, yeah, I'm desperate to sit and look at tactic and supply cards. Guidance, interesting. I'm, I'm interested to know when you'd want to give away an action. And Arcane Insights, yeah, really cool. And we're on to the rogues. Oh my goodness, it's the art from that playmat which I think is called the Narrow Escape playmat. It is some kind of massive creature in the background, and it's two chaps on a motorbike and sidecar. One of them shooting the shotgun. He looks like he's just sort of thrown himself into the sidecar, and they're bombing it away. Okay, this is a zero-cost rogue event with two agility icons. I'm thinking of, I'm out of here. It's fortune-traded. Rex can't take it. Fast. Play when an enemy makes an attack of opportunity against you. Okay, not an attack, so you can't play this in the enemy phase, but an attack of opportunity, so you've triggered this as the rogue by taking an action that isn't fight, evade, parlay, or resign. Cancel that attack. You get plus two skill value for the next skill test you perform this turn. Now, attacks of opportunity, they trigger as soon as you initiate an action, but before, and when you've paid the costs for the action, before you resolve any of the effects. So if you say, I'm investigating while engaged with an enemy, you will take an attack of opportunity, you'll take that attack, and then you'll do the skill test. So if I've got that right, you would resolve the test with plus two to your skill value for the next test you perform. Wonderful card, wonderful design, lovely art. Oh, flavour, sorry. Next time I'm driving. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. On its own, I'm not sort of blown away by this. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'd, I'd want to cancel attack. You know, even though it doesn't give you plus two to evade, if that's what you wanted to use it for, you throw away the two pips for it instead. But it really starts me thinking about the succeed by two mechanics. If you're... Ah, it doesn't work for a fight either, though. So you have to do a non... I suppose... Hmm, it's got me thinking... You use this as a positional card, right? So you're engaged with an enemy. You want to do something to them. I can't think what at the moment. Say you draw a card first action, taking a hit. You cancel that hit and get plus two for your next attack. And then you fight. And you're getting plus two from this. And you throw in your double or nothing. And you'll watch this. And you're quick thinking. And you've already got the plus two from it. So the chance of you succeeding by two or more is better. So more things trigger. 
It's another piece in the plus two puzzle, right? Interesting. Yeah, do I put one of these in my Jenny deck now? Maybe. I guess it takes an edge case. Ah, see, the thing is, I can't wait to talk about this in more detail on an episode. Rogues just behave weirdly, don't they? I mean, that's that's the bottom line, is, is that if this was a Guardian card, it would just be a dodge. It would be a cancel and attack, and then you can carry on doing what you're doing. But as a rogue, you could, you know, play your Derringer getting hit, cancel that hit, and get plus two to your next Derringer shot, which is then a plus four. So some, yeah, mm, interesting, really tasty. I've sort of warmed up to it as I've talked about it. And the next card is Suggestion, another card I know. Um, this is a 4 XP rogue asset, 3 cost, willpower and agility icons, and it's spell traded as well, and it takes up the arcane slot, like Arcane Insight did. It uses 3 charges, action, exhaust suggestion, evade, add your willpower value to your skill value for this evasion attempt. If you do not succeed, by at least two, remove one charge from suggestion. Okay, you didn't have to use a charge to do that, interestingly. And then there's reaction. When a non-elite enemy would attack you, spend one charge, cancel that attack. Three cost and four XP for three dodges and a chance to repeatedly evade, adding your willpower. Who can take it? Skids, he evades at six with this, it's all right. Jenny, the same at six. Sephina evades at eight using this, and she has only six, five health, five health. So three dodges is very useful for her. A cat, she can also take it. She also evades then at eight. She gets four dodges out of it as well, which is, yeah, pretty amazing, really. A cat, she's so pure mystic. But thinking about 4xp on this or 4xp on Arcane Insight could really change the flavour of what she's trying to do. I think it's a really interesting option. I think this card really cries out to be in Ceph. Just because there's also other cards that she can use with this. She can use, say, Recharge on this. She can look for it with the Arcane Initiate. She can play Uncaged Soul for it. Because she already has that Mystic Splash, it gives her a good option there. I think a brawler, Jenny or Skids might be tempted as well, maybe, but I'm not sure. Evade at six is still pretty strong, but I mean, you know, if you're playing rogue, you have other ways of getting your agility boosted. So yeah, it's a it's a really interesting card, and again, just I think a really powerful card. As far as I'm aware, if you run out of charges, you can still use the first action and evade. Because it says if you don't succeed by two, remove one charge from suggestion. If there aren't charges to remove, that wasn't a cost. That was just a, a consequence of the evade not succeeding by two. So yes, you will have lost out on the, the sort of the quasi dodges that you've stored up on there, but really without it being too big a problem. Interesting card. And that's the end of the road cards. So no three cards for rogue here, which leads us on to, oh my word, St. Hubert's Key. Subtitle, Cleansing Fire. This is a four-cost asset for Mystics with one willpower icon, and it takes up the accessory slot. So it's going to compete with Holy Rosary, which is the only zero XP accessory slotted Mystic 
card. You can hear me not convincing myself as I say that. Uh, write in and tell me if I can't remember my Mystic cards. Oh, battery is going. I need to pick up the pace. It's item and charm traded. You get plus one willpower, plus one intellect, and minus two sanity. Reaction. When you would be defeated by horror, discard St. Hubert's key, immediately heal to horror. Oh my word, what an amazing card. It is an item, so it's corrodable by corrosion. In Agnes's hands, she's at six willpower, only three intellect, but it's not too bad, and only six sanity, so she can't be getting as many pops from her sanity. But if something's going wrong, and she's about to be defeated by horror, she can discard the key and heal to horror. Now, worth noting though, so it's essentially a four horror heal, because you're discarding the key, you then no longer have minus two sanity, and you get the two horror back. So if you're on, say, five sanity of six, and you fail rotting remains with tentacle, and you're about to take three horror, this will still protect you, because you would be defeated you'll heal back up to three sanity of six, but then you'll be three sanity of eight, and you'll still take the horror. It doesn't cancel the horror hit. Okay, I'm getting getting pulled down a, an odd line. Really fascinating card. Potentially you could run it in gym as well. You could also run it in Daisy, who's not worried so much about her sanity of nine. She'd then have an intellect of six, and a willpower four, and if something goes wrong, I see this reaction ability as a sort of contingency for something getting out of your control or a missed play. I don't see you digging your way towards taking the horror, but remember, we're playing Carcosa here, and if we know anything about Carcosa, it's that it really wants to interact with horror. So perhaps there are going to be huge amounts of horror coming our way that we're just going to have to brace ourselves for. In which case, this could be a really useful card to have. The other thing I just think is, is at four cost, you've got to have a plan for how you're going to afford it. It's not a, oh, I'll just swap, slot this in. Maybe you're running Arcane Initiate, which is a cheap ally, so you can maybe afford this more. We've seen how Mystic have got better at spending their resources with Uncaged and Soul, with Alchemical Transmutation. So yeah, potentially there's there's something going on there. Oh, it's looking to me like Mystics are getting three cards. The next card looks very familiar. It's Ward of Protection, but it's the level two version. So we've seen level five and we've seen level zero. This is level two. One cost, two XP, one wild icon, same as before. Spell and Spirit Traded. Was it always spirit traded? Hmm. Interesting. I thought it was just a spell. Has it gained spirit? Anyway, fast. Play when an investigator at any location draws a non-weakness treachery card. Cancel that card's revelation effect, then take one horror. Wow, okay. The level five, you can just cancel any card that you've drawn. With this, you can pick any investigator at any location drawing a treachery card. So you can snipe that Ancient Evils that you wanted to draw and someone else has drawn. Fantastico. That, to me, is the one downside of the level zero Ward of Protection and why cards like Forewarned and Test of Will are so useful in Seeker and Survivor, respectively. Because if you're playing a pressurised scenario like, say, Last King, 
and you really want to make the most of the time you have, the most frustrating thing is when the mystic doesn't draw ancient evils and draws something else innocuous that they can smash through, and then another player draws the ancient evils and has no way of cancelling it. And with this card, the mystics can still cancel it. Fantastic. I have nothing more to say about it. It's a great card. Really useful. Mystics have such competition for XP already in their decks, but I think this is stellar. Also worth noting, Seth can take it underneath her. Even better. Just giving out the love. Really, really powerful. Yeah. Ooh, does Seth like St. Hubert's Key? She does for the willpower boost, but, I mean, you can get that from Holy Rosary. Maybe? <laughs> okay, so that's Water Protection gone. Ah, yes, and then this was the other card I think I knew about. I think I know one survivor as well. This is Arcane Initiate, level 3. It's 0 cost, 3 XP, takes the ally slot and is ally and sorcerer traded, has willpower and combat icons, emphasising the kind of aggressive nature of mystics. Forced, after Arcane Initiate enters play, place one Doom or two Horror on it. So the two Horror is new. Free trigger, exhaust Arcane Initiate, search the top three cards of your deck for a spell card and draw it, shuffle your deck. The level zero has one health and two sanity, and this is one health and three sanity. But the important thing to note is definitely the fact that when Arcane Initiate comes into play, you can choose to put two horror on it instead of one doom. Also worth noting, the cost is one fewer as well for this XP version. So resource cost neutral, tempo cost neutral if you don't want to deal with the doom. You can play this first action and we start looking for spells. It'll only be a 1-1 one -one body on the table for you. But it's down then, and it's great, and you're looking for spells. You've got that spell-hunting engine going. Good players, I think, can play around the Doom requirement of Arcane Initiate level 0, but all it takes is a nasty Ancient Evils to throw things out, and suddenly the window for playing it has passed, and you're spending actions drawing to try and get into your good cards. Or you've played it planning to remove the Doom from it, and something happens, either you don't take the horror you need to kill the Initiate, or... And Ancient Evils again, that's the most likely problem. Or, you know, failing a Black Star's Rise as well, that can place Doom. Things can happen that place Doom. This, yeah, is just really potent. Again, just so much challenge now for Mystics of what they spend their XP on. It's going to be a real challenge for them to work out what the priorities are. Would you prioritise getting this over getting Shriveling Level 3, for instance? Or getting... Jewel of Aureolus or Grotesque Statue, there are a lot of choices. Okay, and we've got all of two cards left. Will Survivors get a spell? The first card for Survivors is a skill. This was also announced. It's not without a fight. It has willpower, combat, and agility icons. It's a nature traded, and it says commit to a skill test only if you're engaged with an enemy. For each enemy engaged with you, not without a fight, gains willpower, combat, and agility. So this card is actually blank and stuck in your hand while you're not engaged with enemies. But as soon as you're engaged with one enemy, it's a double will, double combat, double agility. If you happen to be engaged with two enemies, it's a triple will, triple combat, 
and triple agility. It's a really interesting card to me. In Yorick, you might end a turn with an enemy engaged with you, particularly the graveyard ghouls, through no fault of your own. At which point, whenever you draw then in the mythos phase, if you end up drawing another enemy, you can use this as a triple icon, which is great. Or if you just draw a willpower test in the mythos phase, you've got a card that's a double icon and is sat in your hand, ready to be that. So I think Yorick is a, an interesting first target for this card because you know that he's going to be engaged with an enemy at one point in a game, normally. I can also see it as an interesting panic button. I know people have been a little bit lukewarm on it. You know, why wait and have an enemy? You know, it's a dead card until you have an enemy in your hand. But sometimes you really want that clutch card to play when you have an enemy. And this card can be recurred with Resourceful as well. So you can potentially play this for boosts multiple times in a scenario. I think the other thing that I like about it that sort of draws me to it is the range of icons. I said this last episode, last first look episode anyway, when we were looking at those three icon cards, is having the flexibility in your hand to pick and choose when you want to use them is good. And this card, Not Without a Fight, is slightly neutered by the fact that you can't pick and choose to the same degree, but it gives you more icons when those occasions arise. So yeah, it's... um. It's interesting to me. I think it's also one that is quite hard to evaluate, so I'm looking forward to just putting it in a deck and seeing where we go with it, really. And the last card looks amazing. It is a 3-cost, three 3xp three event called True Survivor. It's spirit-traded, and it says return three innate skills from your discard pile to your hand. Innate like not without a fight. Innate like resourceful. Is lucky innate or is lucky fortune? I would guess it's fortune. Oh, it's not a skill either. <laughs> so ignore that. Fascinating last card. Without innate skills in front of me, I'm slightly left unsure which ones you'd grab. Of the neutral skill cards, I think Unexpected Courage is innate, and I think two more of them are. I think not all of the neutrals are innate, but I could be getting that wrong. I think some are practiced and some are innate. I think Overpower is practiced, but maybe it's not. Maybe they're all innate. We've seen a deck online, an Ash Compete deck, that was the 20 skill card deck. And we should go and check what the desperate skills are if they're all innate traded, because potentially you can be recycling a lot of powerful skill cards with this very easily. Yeah, just mind a little bit blown. There's almost a bit of a sort of recursion theme here from, from True Survivor 3xp and stick to the plan, picking out events for you. It's like Guardians get themselves organized before a scenario begins. Survivors get themselves organized midway through a scenario as they grab back the most important cards from their discard pile. You're paying three to draw three cards that you've already played is essentially what it is. Yeah, that's that's pretty strong in my eyes. I mean, comparatively, you'd pay three XP for Will to Survive and you'd pass three skill tests without drawing tokens. Would the three cards that you get for this pass you three more tests? Maybe, as Wendy 
maybe some of these innate skills that you're pulling back are going to help you do that. If manual dexterity is innate, I'd always love to replay manual dexterity in a sort of dodgy build. So yeah, well, I can see my battery is ticking away. I'm going to try and edit this super fast. And I hope you've enjoyed this. You can get in touch with me on drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook. And I'm drawn to the flame on Twitter. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you liked it. And yeah, I'm just really raring to go and try the scenario now and slot some of these cards. So yeah, hope you enjoyed this and speak to you all soon. Bye.